Okay, so what I was getting to is that, you know, there's a lot of, there's 9.3 million people, according to CDC right now, reporting having suicidal ideations or thoughts. And so that's an increasing Straight to the point, how do we triumph through that? If, uh, if, you, if you're suffering from depression or anxiety, well, let's look at some key factors. Typically, when you're suffering from depression, there's some type of um, something, some kind of thing that's coming that's causing you to stress about or think about feeling that hopelessness, not feeling a way out. Well, the first thing you, should, you can do is create some workable goals. And what I mean by that is it doesn't have to be a, like tremendous goals, just a, a minimized goal of maybe I'm going to take a walk for 10 minutes today. I'm going to take 10 minutes out of my time and take a deep breath. I'm going to take 10 minutes out of my time and pray and, and, and try to, you know, feel closer with the Lord today. Prioritize your schedule, meaning there's a lot of things that right now in the, during this pandemic to stress about, I should say. There's a lot of things right now that's causing depression. Well, let's prioritize that. Right now, there's, um, there's a lot of things you can't control. A lot of individuals are out of jobs right now. So that might not be in their controllable things they can, can control. So prioritizing that and just saying, okay, what can I control? What is in my boundaries that I can't control will help kind of alleviate feeling like you have no control of what's going on in your life right now. And more importantly, changing your relationship with depression. What do I mean by that? Changing your relationship with depression. A lot of times um, individuals will see depression as a, it, it kind of immobilizes you, that you can't get out of this. It's, it's the end. It's nothing I can do about this. I am completely stuck. I might as well just give up. There's, there, it's, just, it's just nothing I can do. Change your relationship with that because we have to be careful what we speak and manifest because that can manifest into the way we feel. So I know I'm suffering. I know that there's some things going on with me right now. I've noticed that I'm not sleeping that well. I've noticed that I've had loss of appetite and interest. I noticed that I'm isolating myself from individuals. I'm having difficulty concentrating. So there must be something going on. So let me sit back and think about what is going on that's causing me to feel this way. Do I need to talk with someone? Do I need some support? And then another thing you can do, with, which is very helpful, is make a, make, a, make a list. Make a list of things that you're experiencing and talk to a professional. The goal is to steer from hopelessness to hope. Now, depression can become very familiar and comfortable for some. Some people will experience depression and gotten so normalized with it that they're comfortable with it, that they're used to not sleeping, they're used to not eating, they're, you're used to isolating yourself. And so it becomes a, it's almost like a clutch, like you feel so comfortable with it so that you don't feel like, you know, there's anything going on. Now, what happens with that is you become used to that where you're, you're lacking the sense of hope and it sometimes can cause you to start having thoughts where this is never going to change. This is a permanent situation that's not going to change. And then with the pandemic and the uncertainty and doubt that, that has increased, more individuals were affected with mental illness and suffering from depression and anxiety. And then, you know, the next thing I want to talk about is suicide. 
and how why did I bring up depression and anxiety and how that linked to suicide well with suicidal thoughts you know there's a myth and a misconception about it you know you you always hear and some of you may have that well if a person says I want to kill myself that means that they're really not wanting to kill themselves because they're telling me so maybe they don't need the help they're 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 asking for help so that means maybe they're not really wanting to kill themselves that's not true many individuals that actually state that they want to kill themselves um, they're reaching out for help but they still can still have those thoughts especially sometimes if they're fleeting and they have a notion to an actual plan to kill themselves um, a lot of those individuals end up killing themselves so that is a misconception that oh if that person asks for help then they must they just they're not going to kill themselves if they ask for help or you also have, have those that like which is a sign that most people don't don't see it's not an obvious sign where individuals been experienced depression for a long period of time and they've been experiencing all those symptoms that I listed before but now all of a sudden they just have a lifted spirit now I'm a woman of God and I know God can deliver us from anything and yes he can cause us to have that elliptic spirit I'm talking about you recognize someone or yourself that you've had all these these signs that I've stated earlier and now all of a sudden you have this this lifted spirit out of nowhere and you're starting to give away possessions you're, you're just you're giving away money any you know and and just having this free just free life like I'm a fine that is sometimes a warning sign, believe it or not, to suicide. Um, another sign is the obvious that they have a plan. They, they have discussed the plan, they've withdrawn themselves, and they have an actual plan to commit suicide. Now, the one thing about depression is that your body is completely connected. So when one part of your body, and yes, a lot of um, people believe that not only that it is that psychological but it's also physiological where it has to do with the body and different neurotransmitters that are responsible for why you're depressed and that is true um, there, there there's there's some individuals that have to not only do therapy but need medication that is true but one thing we have to remember that the body is completely connected so your thoughts and like I said earlier and how you what you speak is sometimes can how it can operate how you feel and we have to be careful about what we speak and that it has to go with the changing your relationship with depression and because it's important that you set the terms in that relationship now there is a lot of stigma um, not only in the Christian community um, and I, when I did that video with um, Bishop Dunn and how many individuals are afraid to talk about what they're going through because there is a stance that your faith like I said in the video, should hold you near. But it's not only just in the Christian community, it's also in the culture, right now. culture right now that mental health is just one of the things you don't discuss. You just act like it's basically, you just normalize it and you don't discuss it. And seeking help is something that you just don't do. And especially when you're depressed, like I'm just, I'm just going through a mood. I'm just going through a change in my life. And so I think that it's so important that overall that when you're feeling those any of those signs or you know someone that's having those signs it's okay to ask help because i i remember watching this movie and i and it's called pursuit of happiness and will smith 
made a joke and he said he told was telling his son the joke about how a man was drowning in the water and he kept praying to God to help him and he kept sending these boats by over and over again and the man just kept on just waiting on he said I'm waiting on God he let the next boat pass and he said I'm waiting on God then the man drowned and he said and he went to heaven he said Lord why didn't you help me he said well I sent you three boats and I think that's the same thing as saying, you know, it's okay to ask for help. Sometimes sometimes people are put in your life for a reason and or sometimes there are interventions placed to help you. Now, make sure that, you know, you understand that not all depressed people commit suicide or have suicidal thoughts, but it is a higher risk. Um, um, just just noticing the changes in your behavior, your changes in your sleep, it, it is a higher risk. So just being very mindful, and in, and in therapy we call it mindfulness, being present and knowing what you're feeling. And so I just wanted to, I'm just so thankful again for the opportunity to come on here and just being able to share some tips and just provide just a little bit of knowledge and prevention how we can break it through this this pandemic this during this season this time and sometimes for some of some individuals this is not just a season this has been a long-term thing that they've been suffering with in silence and not have been talking about it I know I, I've experienced depression because of a, a long-term thing that it won't go away but during the uh, before the pandemic, I had I had the chance to keep myself busy, go out, talk to people, you know, person, you know, be personable. But now, and I and I would, and then the depression wasn't there. As soon as the pandemic hit, I'm all by myself. I I don't go out. I I rarely talk to my family. They come by every now and then. Now the depression is starting to come back on me again. How do I handle that? Okay, well, first I want to applaud you for thank you for even sharing and that also because you recognize it, it's, it's almost one of those things that's easier to overcome. As a therapist, it's always a blessing to us when the patient recognizes, hey, I'm experiencing these symptoms, I know it's coming back. Um, the best thing to do because you're in isolation and you only have to work within your constraints, you know, unfortunately some of us have been locked down, we don't have or some of us don't have the ability to be mobile or you know, see our family friends. So we have to work within our constraints. So setting a schedule, I know this, I mean, even if that schedule consists of, I'm gonna call three family members today, touch base, or I'm gonna read a book today at this hour, or I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna fix me my favorite meal at this hour, or I'm going to, um, take time for a moment to pray or meditate at this hour. Having a schedule, even though you're not able to be mobile in your position right now, you still need to try to set some type of schedule while you're at home because what happens is the isolation, we start to think about it, we start to get into our thoughts, mm -hmm. we start to feel kind of alone, which is normal because we're, we are alone when you're in isolation, but just having some type of schedule and doing what you're doing right now, reaching out. You know what, I'm starting to feel a little down. Let me talk to someone, and that's important too, connecting with someone that feels like it's more up, like uplifting. Let me talk to someone 
discuss what I'm feeling. Maybe I can, you know, get some advice or just get some uplift, uplifting encouragement. But it's so important to set a schedule even in the constraints right now, especially when you're in isolation. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Dr. Rose, um, Ms. Bishop, a uh, question on, on that with what Ms. Vanessa was asking. You had mentioned about, and I was trying to find it in my notes, I don't see it, but I know I wrote it down somewhere about control. You said, so it's like putting a schedule together, a way of taking back control. Is that it is. needed? Okay. It is, because what happens with depression, it can immobilize you to you feeling a sense of hopelessness. That hopelessness, hopelessness comes because it feels like your situation is unchangeable and uncontrollable. So with that, to take back this, that little control helps make you feel like, okay, I'm starting to step out of this dark box. Um, it's, the dark box is not closing me in. I'm able to step out. And that is a very important aspect when it comes to working in therapy is giving that person that, that hope again, going from hopeless to hope. All right, got it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, this is uh, Abraham. Can you hear me? Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rose. Um, Yes, I can. Okay, thank you. Uh, great, great, great presentation. I appreciate it. I, you know, sometimes we, we work with people. I think most of the people who are here, we usually talk to people and advise people. And what I have noticed is most people who are in that kind of a situation, it's when they believe that their situation will never change and then become hopeless. But once you, you give a person an assurance that your situation is temporary, it will change, no matter how difficult or how hard it is. As time goes on, things change. And I have seen a lot of people, they start to have you know, to gain some hope and go back to sort of normal. What, what would be your advice, like if somebody comes and they, they are depressed and they're just hopeless, what would you advise us to do if somebody needs advice at that point and they just said the app at the lowest level of their lives I always with my with my patients when I used to do therapy is I always have a person reflect back to a time where they felt like they had a sense of hope sometimes past oh, reflections are you still there can you hear me okay sometimes past reflection helps that person understand. Remember that situation you got through that you thought you were never going to make it through, that you thought you were never going to survive? Remember that time you talked about killing yourself about three months ago and now we're three months later? Remember that problem you had yesterday but you don't feel like you have it today? Remember that? Remember that feeling? Well, that's the same thing that's going on right now. Because what happens, even um, I had a patient, um, a caller call yesterday, and they said, I just want to kill myself because I just want to get out of this. I need to end it. And I had to just, you know, let them re let them reflect. And they, they said, you know why I want to end it? Because it'll never change. I'll never change. I may as well just kill myself. And I had them reflect back to a time when something did change. And then that person had to think about it like, okay, yeah, that, you know, it did change. But it took a long time. But it did change. I said, you have to be careful making with temporary emotions making permanent decisions because once that decision is made you can't go back 
you can't go back. You know, once you commit suicide, you can't go back. And the same thing with a person who's suffering depression and they don't feel that hope. Helping them reflect back to a time where they would, because everyone, we've all been through something that we had overcome. So even if it was just as small as, I didn't think I was going to be able to ever get a job and then I got a job. That little piece for a person who's depressed is major. And just helping them, having them reflect back to that makes them feel like, okay, yeah, there was a time when I, I had overcome something. Okay, just maybe, just sprinkling a little hope, hope in them, just maybe. This time you can also overcome as well. Anyone else? Thank you, Dr. Rose. Um, just encouraging people and reminding them, you know, um, that, that's powerful right there. And, and what I just heard with that, putting up those positive memories, and I don't know what it does from there, but that does something to help us move forward. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um, anybody else got a question for Dr. Rose? I see that some of the signs for, like for adults. Now, if we have teenagers or preteens, what are the that we can look for? Oh, that's that's a good question because depression in children does look different as well as teenager than it does in adults. Um, with children, especially preteens, um, look up signs. Well, one is um, it, that is similar to adults is isolation. Um, and with teenagers, their depression sometimes looks like anger and frustration. Maybe they're a little more, their mood has changed, where they're a little more angry and frustrated and, and just really moody to a point where everything that, that, that goes on, they're just snapping, you know. Um, and sometimes that's a sign. Or the the wanting to not only isolate but withdrawal and that's the difference between isolating and withdrawal where they're totally not emotional about certain things um where they used to be very excited about maybe it's like they're excited to go play basketball but now it's not even really of interest and they're just totally withdrawn with their emotion um sometimes depression in teenagers which we have a lot of our callers um I've had the youngest of eight years old calling me because they just tried to hang themselves um, before. Um, a lot of our teenagers, they don't see past the present. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for them to have that, that they have that tunnel vision where they don't see past the present. Unlike adults, we can kind of develop somewhat of what we can see as perspective as a future. But with teenagers and children, they, they don't see past the present. It's a tunnel vision. So recognizing that your child is always talking about, you know, things of, you know, this is not going to change, that kind of language. Be, be mindful what type of language they're speaking. This will never change. I'm, I'm not, I, there's no point to this. You know, that hopeless talk, I like to say. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, um, you made me think of something. We have uh, Pastor Brian as our youth pastor now. And before uh, Pastor Brian, it was um, Minister Sean and Quita. But I told him, y'all getting too old. Y'all can't be youth pastors no more. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't quite say it like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I've had a few occasions, and, and I wish I'd have known what you just said, where the kids were saying that, you know, they called me. And um, 
Um, they weren't, yeah, and then, like you said, they were withdrawing. The difference between withdrawal and, and isolation, that's powerful. I, want, I, I got a question for you, going back to something I noticed, and I meant to ask you, when I did the interview with you, if you guys want, you can go back online. It's on, it's on our, at New Day Corona. It's uh, one of our uh, Listen Up uh, um, uh, interviews. But you, 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 you kept using the word triumph. And I didn't want to interrupt your flow like when you was talking. And I said, she said triumph. Where, where I would have used the word trial, you said your triumph. And then uh, it was something else you said it did. We noticed, I noticed it again, and I brought it up to my, to my son, to Pastor Brian. And he had picked it up, too. And so now you said about our language and what we're saying. What tell us why you consistently use the word triumph? Because a triumph is more a, for me. A trial is something that's a temporary thing. That like um, let me give an example. You're going through a time where you're going to school to be a doctor, and so there's a trial. There's a time where you know it might be a little hard, and it's going to get easy, right? Triumph is something that no matter sometimes how high you go up that mountain, you still can't come back down. And for some people who suffer from depression and mental illness, they're stuck there. So it's continuing. I feel like a trial is something after a while, it changes. Triumph for some people who suffer from depression, there is no change. It's a constant thing for them that never changes. So it's not like a trial period that changes. And so I use that word because it's more, I feel like it's more concrete and more powerful of saying how strong that relationship with depression is for some people. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, anyone else have any questions for Dr. Rose while we're here? Okay, well, let's do this. Dr. Rose, is there uh, a way that if, because um, I know in these type of situations, people probably want to speak with you more privately, which I totally understand that too. Uh, is there, a, how should we get a hold of you or what would be our next steps? If you can reach out to me on Facebook. Um, my Facebook is private. I'm learning to open it up because I used to work at a prison, so I had to uh, <laughs> yeah. make it private just where inmates couldn't find me. But um, you can reach out with, to me on Facebook, um, Dr. Rowe, it's R-O Dylan, um, and message me there. I, I would love to talk to anyone. Um, and you can also reach out to me on Instagram, which is Dr. Rose 34 as well. Got it. And I want to make sure before we... Can you actually repeat that one more time? Yes, um, Dr. Rowe, R-O Dylan. D-R-R-E. That's on Facebook. Okay, yeah. And then on Instagram, it's Dr. Rose 34. I'll be 34 forever. All right, great. And um, yeah, and if you guys don't have Instagram or Facebook, you can just email us at the church at admin at and uh, that'll go straight to Elder Joyce, and then she can follow up with uh, Dr. Rose. Yeah, amen. Well, and I, I want, hmm? I'm sorry, Pastor. I want, um, I want to make sure I give the number to the um, suicide hotline for any individuals who may need it or know someone that may need it. Um, the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And also, we have something called a California Warm Line. That's a, um, 
it's, a, it's an amazing line. It's a peer support line that provides peer support and answers mental health questions um, if you ever just want to, and it's 24 hours, if you ever just want to talk to someone or you just feel in alone, um, it's a great line, and that number is 855-845-7415. Wow, that's a blessing. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, it's, it's a great line. We, we um, a lot of our callers are not in a crisis at that moment, but they're just at home by themselves and not have anyone to talk to, we refer them to that line. And it's a, it's a great peer support line. All the people in there are, are trained and professionals and they answer mental health questions and they just basically just provide support. Amen, amen. Well, thank you so much. Um, you're an amazing resource and so glad to have you. And uh, you guys remember too, if you're in a good place right now, hallelujah, praise God. But if you find someone uh, or know someone who isn't, please feel free to reach out. We really want to care for people. And again, I want to establish a community with a new day, a culture within a new day where no one is ashamed. No one feels bad. No one where we don't condemn people, where they, they don't, they're not looked down upon. Yeah, I would love, just love to have just an environment where we're cared for, we're kind, we speak words of encouragement, we feel safe with one another. That that's the goal. That's that's what I call it. Just a great Christian community. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, Dr. Rose, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And how many months? When is your due date? Oh, I have a strong counseling team that I want to establish and putting these things in place really to meet the needs of the members and especially as we continue to grow. Thank you guys that are on and uh, really appreciate you. I see a couple of inpatients from South Africa. Hallelujah. Thank you for being on. Appreciate you. And uh, God bless all of you. Uh, Elder Abraham, you want to pray us out, please? Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight. We thank you for Dr. Rose. We thank you, Lord, for the wisdom and the advice. We thank you, God, for giving us such great quality people and people who can speak into our lives, who can speak into our hearts. And I pray that, God, as we continue to serve our church, as we continue to serve other people outside our church, help us, Father, to be source of encouragement to other people and strengthen them and help them lord where they need help and father we pray for each one of us who is here oh god who sometimes also may feel a sense of depression sometimes we feel low i pray that the holy spirit may help us and encourage us and comfort us and guide us through in everything that we do we give you all the glory we give you all the honor in jesus name we pray amen amen thank you dr rose Thank you, Dr. Thank you, Rose. Sister Jackie, thank you so much. Night. And thank everyone yes. in New Bay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity and platform. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank All right, you, then. Rose. Thank you.